When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. What is happening? Welcome to the Nick and Alex Baseball Show, where we do not have an off-season. I'm Nick Pollock, and I'm joined by the Stone Age Alex Fast. Stone Age. Stone yeah. Age. Age. Stone Age. I just shaved... I don't know. It's because it's because fast. You're living in the Stone Age without a mechanical keyboard, and I I got the greatest oh mechanical God. keyboard oh ever today. It yeah. is so good. Yeah. It it, it is. What? You want? Know Here we go. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. No. Do you hear this? <laughs> yes. Sounds very. It does sound very smooth. It sounds very buttery. We can't. I can't hear you because we can only hear the mechanical keyboard now. It's fine. I I cannot be more excited to have this keyboard now. That's that was some pure keyboard ASMR right there. I know. I know. What is it about the mechanical keyboards that gets you so amped? What is it that because I type I type like three four thousand words a day, Uh and I want to. I mean, sometimes more than that in season. And I want the easiest way to do it. I want my my fingers to live on clouds. And the sound, what's your word oh, per minute? Uh, word typing per minute? with this, it was 110. 110. Wow. Before that's it was a, it was like 95 to 100. Wow. I had a 10% increase just by having this keyboard. Love a good typing game. You know, and think about that. You know, it, it, it's, it's it's a huge thing. I got this modded out. It's a JMK Pro. I have it lubed. I have the pro the tape mod. I have the foam mod. I have the, the, the stabilizers replaced with Durarec. I have some lovely Akko keycaps on it. Everyone nice. is like, we have no idea what you're talking about, Nick. So no, welcome everyone's, to the Nick and Alex baseball stopped. show. I know. stopped as soon as you said it was I know. Um, <laughs> so we went to First Pitch, Arizona. Um, we had a fantastic time. Uh, it's a four-day uh, event held by Baseball HQ. They did a wonderful job. Uh, Brent Hershey, Ray Murphy, Ryan Bloomfield, the whole HQ crew. Of course, Ron Chandler. Fast, you did a presentation. I did a presentation. It was great. It was a lot of, it was a very fun weekend. Um, It was awesome to present. And I think that it went over well, which was very exciting. It was great to be able to catch up with so many people in the community, a very fun community and watch some baseball. And for me, it was great to be cold again. That I very much enjoyed. No, it it was colder in Phoenix than it was in New York. And I was very, uh, I don't know, perturbed by that. I loved it. I was living the dream. I hadn't, I hadn't had a chill in in a minute. It was great. (laughs) I was so happy. Oh, dear. Uh, get fast out of L.A. Um, but no, can, do you want to tell the people about what you presented at? Wait, did you write F-P-A-R-I? Yeah, I don't know why no I keep doing that. No one calls it F-P-A-R-I. I know, it's F-P-A-R-I. I don't know why. I don't know why I did that. F-P-A-R-I. F-P-A-R-I. Hey, Mom, I'm going on a F-P-A-R-I. F-P-A-R-I. What's your favorite kind of car? Not Lamborghini, more so F-P-A-R-I. Um... <laughs> but what did you talk about at, at first pitch arizona uh, i talked about pitcher volatility something that i had been looking into for a while thanks to the help of justin filto who's one of our fa- fantastic data scientists here over at oh, pitcher yeah. list and looking at you know if we can um if there's a metric that we can use to determine game score we had one moons ago and um uh, uh what's it called uh, vpr um yep. and we took game score which was redone by Tom Tango. And we, uh, rather than using his formula, made it the sum of all of the run values from that start and uh, the standard deviation between all of those game scores to determine who's volatile and who's not. Guys who are volatile were people like, uh, or not volatile, were very consistent in a good way. Guys like Verlander, Max Fried was super, super consistent. And then the other end of the spectrum, guys like Chris Archer, who were who were consistent, but consistently poor. Uh, and then guys like Nathan Eovaldi, who were all over the place. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun, a lot of good stuff. We saw a lot of good talks. I think one of the biggest takeaways I had from the weekend uh, that Nick and I were talking about that we're probably going to institute coming into next year's analysis is downplaying the importance of a new pitch 
at um yeah. at spring training but uh continuing to talk about velocity it's m- more important to say oh wow this pitcher is showing two miles an hour more on their four seamer and it looks like they're sitting there at spring training than it is to say oh this pitcher uh has a new curveball why one the velocity that's likely going to stick or has more of a chance of sticking b uh the other reason the curveball if it's a new curveball might not stick. It could be just something they're playing around with. Maybe they throw it once or twice a game. We can't really, you know, the the example of Lance McCullers appearing with a new slider is the exception, not the rule, right? Rarely right. do guys throw right. it and then make it their number one pitch. So yeah, that, that was a good takeaway. Thanks to a Dave Potts conversation with Vlad Sedler. Yeah, Dave what Potts. What'd you oh, learn? Man. I mean, Dave Potts, uh, always listen when that guy talks. Uh, there, yep. There's so many people like that. Vlad, you listen to him. Um, Derek Cardi and Eno were there. Oh, Man, I, I was very, very fortunate to be able to have some fantastic uh, talks with Dino about lots of things in the game. Um, and, and Derek Cardi, too. I mean, picking his mind about how he works with the projections and the things he's working on and all of that. Really exciting stuff there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's a fantastic takeaway. Velo matters most, a new pitch type. I mean, I think of Tyler Glasnow's changeup, Chris Archer's changeup, you know. Yep. Not a huge deal. Um, ultimately, they want to do it. I also remember actually Matthew Boyd throwing more changeups. I remember our excitement seeing him throw one against DJ LeMahieu in 2020 at the stadium. But yeah, then he also I mean, didn't he... have a slider after that because he overcompensated yeah. on it, right? And then Tommy John, maybe that was really ultimately the reason. Um, but that is, that is certainly something to to carry moving forward. I, I had some really great conversations with Ariel Cohen as well about um, this was also in the context with Tristan Cockroft and Derek Cardi's panel about uh, risk for next year and who should we be taking as pitchers the next season. Also, Rob Silver's win potential stuff was very interesting. Um, this is all fantasy, though, and I I don't want to go too much more into that um, because this is not a fantasy show. This is a baseball show. This That's is a true. baseball show. And uh, we're going to continue our tradition of this. And by the way, again, huge thanks, French Hershey and Company, uh, Baseball mm-hmm. HQ, for that yes. fantastic time. We are going to talk about free agents today. Um, the World Series was also there. We'll talk about that quickly. And before we get to it, we have to have a mystery pitcher. And this week, fast, this pitcher, 14 and 8, 178 innings, 288 ERA, 103 whip, 33.4% K rate, 7.3% walk rate, 32% CSW, 95.5 on the heater. 13th best, 15.5% swing strike rate. Hard contact, a little more pedestrian at 34th, but 23%. Just a 37% ground ball rate. Who do you think this pitcher is? Is this a guy who is a free agent? Yes. Is this a guy who is a free agent? Because there are a few names that were kind of coming to mind, but I don't know if I think... It's Carlos Rodon. I'm not sure if he reached that innings total. Honestly, I'm surprised that you wouldn't know Carlos Rodon's stats like the back of your hand, considering how badly you want him. What are you talking about? On the Orioles? Yes, of course on the Orioles. I don't know if I necessarily want him that badly. Really, though? Who is the number one target for the Orioles this offseason? Jacob DeGrom. Interesting. Yeah, and there are two rumors linking the Orioles to him. Um... Rumors it would make or sense. Rumors? Well, the first one I was like, okay. And then there were a few more accounts that were like, no, I'm, I'm oh, getting Clark. Some of that. <laughs> oh, God, I don't even say his name. He's such a can dark. No, <laughs> very close to making me have to beep out something I said. Um, no, it was actually a reputable source uh, who isn't made of worms and maggots. Um, it was, wow. uh, there were two uh, reputable sources that seem to have come out with that. That's who I would want more than anyone. Mm. Uh, but we're getting too far ahead of ourselves. We're getting too far ahead we of are. ourselves. I we do really think are. it's Carlos Rodon. Um, I, yeah, because I don't think it's any of the other ones. I don't know if any of the other free agents reached his inning, that inning total either. Mm. Yeah, well, like well, Tyler Anderson might have, but he, there's no way he has that fastball or swing strike rate and that grand ball rate would be twice as high. Um, right. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, right. Well, we'll find out at the end. Um, and quickly, World Series. I know you were actually happy, I believe, that the Astros won. I'm happy at least for Dusty Baker. Um, and, you know, I'm disappointed that the Phillies uh, didn't come through. What are your quick thoughts? Because I have I have some thoughts. Um, Yeah, I thought it was a I thought most of Barley was a very fun series. Uh, I did say Houston and six. So I was excited about that. I thought it was a very, very fun series that honestly, like 
teetered back and forth. Like there were moments where you were like, uh, even in game one, where you were like, wow, Philly's going to do this. Like they're actually going to do this. Um, and then obviously moments in game three where you kind of felt that way too. You know, when they went up, you were like, okay, Philly's really going to be able to do this and be a great underdog story, you know? Um, but then I think you do have to kind of give kudos to the Astros. We talked a little bit about this, the CS preview, uh, or excuse me, in the world series preview, where I was like, I will be very curious to see how Houston deals with any adversity. Um, you know, they've had days off and they've had to try and keep their momentum together, but like, Sometimes when you're on a hot streak and then all of a sudden you get hit in the face in game one, I'm curious to see how you bounce back. Do you press? Do you try and make things happen that shouldn't happen? And after every loss, they just completely recomposed themselves and came back out the next night. And, you know, they they had to deal with things that were, um, you know, Justin Verlander not being the way that he was supposed to be. I mean, you were talking about that for a while, about how you were likely going to see some regression, and we saw that in the playoffs. Lance McCullers tipping his pitches massively. Um those are things that are really tough to overcome. But when you are that deep, right, when, when you have that much to your squad, you know, that's just unbelievable. It's very exciting to see Jeremy Pena get a World Series MVP and have the playoffs that he did because it's always nice to highlight your young stars. And then to me, I very much understand why everyone is upset with Houston winning. I get it. Like, I'm completely empathetic to that fact. People feel like it's not a chapter that was closed because the punishment was not enough, nor do they feel like, um, uh, you know, there were enough repercussions. And I am completely empathetic to that. I totally get it. I think where I'm at is while Houston certainly cheated, uh, I still think other organizations, I think they are scapegoated by other organizations and that they also have cheated. There have been plenty of organizations that have either been caught cheating or we know that do cheat or it has been said that do cheat. Um, so I think this kind of shows that like this organization is not a fluke. They have been absolutely dominant for a few years now. And while the cheating thing is reprehensible and there should have been more consequences for that whatsoever, that is a a good organization, top to bottom, who did what no other team could do this year, especially other high performers like the Mets and the Dodgers, which has put their money where their mouth is and won a World Series. Well, fast, um, you forgot the most important part. Uh, and that, I remember this distinctly. Everyone went off to the home run derby and first pitch uh-huh. Arizona, understandable, as game six went on. Yeah. And here I am at the bar with Sarah Sanchez, fantastic uh it was Lauren awesome Arbach, to meet fantastic i yeah. uh, and jenny butler and i'm getting excited i remember leaping off the the stool when the very first pitch of the game was framber valdez throwing a fastball 95 right at the bottom of the zone inside the strike zone and not getting a strike call on it yeah and i'm so excited i'm the only one in the bar that like leapt because if framber valdez doesn't get the low strike call think of like dallas keichel not getting the low strike how it just changes sure. everything and i saw that and i said oh boy it's gonna be one of those and eventually framber got that call hmm. but but the sixth inning arrived okay and tell me if you've heard this before it's game six of the world series your team is down three to two you are 70 pitches in. You've been pitching like an ace, the best pitcher on your team. You're up one to nothing, or you're up by one run here. And the second, the second that he that Wheeler allowed that second hit, it panned to the 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 bullpen, or sorry, not the bullpen, the dugout. And oh my God, I didn't realize that Blake Snell was on the mound. Because it, I, everyone in that bar shouted no. Yeah. I was screaming it. Yeah. As he went to take Wheeler out. This is the same exact poor decision that we saw with the Rays. The same exact one in 2020. Where you have your best pitcher on the mound who did not make him. Even Snell actually made a mistake with the slider mm-hmm. that caused the single. Wheeler threw great inside fastballs that resulted in hits. But especially the second one was a grounder that could have been a double play uh, from Altuve. And they took him out of the game to throw in Jose Alvarado against Jordan Alvarez, mm-hmm. which is just astounding to me. Wheeler had just thrown an up and in four seamer up and in and gotten to pop out in his last at bat. And that was going to work again. There, There's no world where I believe that Jose Alvarado is the better pitcher 
in that situation than 70 pitches in Zach Wheeler. Now, I understand that there probably was a pregame conversation about Wheeler's health. There were concerns about it after his previous game with velocity weight down. And we were thinking maybe we'll get five innings out of Wheeler in this one. This guy was cruising. It is game six of the World Series. You are up one to nothing in the most important situation. All of that is out of the window. Look at your guy on the mound. He has not lost his ability. He is still pumping 98 miles per hour. He was throwing 99 in the first inning. How on earth do you take him out? And what happens? Alvarado throws a fastball down in middle. Not too far away from the one Robbie Ray served him in the ALDS. And what happens? They lose. It was over. It was three to one in a heartbeat. And it was done. I had no one outside of the most optimistic blind fan truly believed in that moment the Phillies were going to win that game. All because of that one decision. Everything, the entire season is done because you removed the best pitcher on your team in the most important moment of your entire season. So, yeah, I was really happy at the outcome fast. (laughs) I want to talk about that because I feel the same way about that that I kind of do with the Snell thing, which is that like. So it's a third time. You could theoretically make the case that there's a third time through no. the order penalty. No. Right? No. Um, it's not like bringing in Jose Alvarado is bringing in some schlubbo. This is a guy with like a 38% strikeout rate. Sure. But I, I don't know. There is a... there. I, I stick by my, my, my guns here, which is the same thing I've said last week when there were questions about other managerial calls. They just have more information than we do. This so is, this is okay. Okay. This is, you want to hear what the argument is, why we hear stuff like announcers on broadcast hating on, and they use the word analytics like it's venom, Yeah, you know, and I hate that. I hate that so much. Analytics is just information. All it is, just, just better information than we've had before. The problem that I have, and I think that they are having, then they're just not communicating it well, that I do agree with is, oh, I was almost said it. This information is about general trends a lot of the time. Generally, Alvarez is worse in this location at this, you know, with this pitch or so. Um, It does not take into account necessarily Robbie Ray's sinker in that location at that moment. It also doesn't take into, into account what's going on at the moment. A lot of times that stuff is just, you can't just paint a broad brush. You have to see what's going on right in front of you. And that's what makes good managers excellent is that they're able to assess the situation better than, you know, every every nuanced moment. The nuanced moment is lost in that percentage that you get. And this was one of those nuanced moments that should have gone the other direction. But because the manager, Rob Thompson, didn't want to go against whatever plan was laid out before. He, he didn't do it. And I don't blame Rob for that. I really don't. That's you're in a, there's a no win situation as whatever, you know, you can't necessarily make the right call, but that is the part. That is the argument against them. And truly what is driving all of that rage against analytics. It's understanding the nuance of the moment. Actually, I talk about this. I know I'm ranting so much, but I'm so infuriated by it <laughs> about like in, in at bat sequencing, is actually what is most important is understanding the batter itself. They give you so many tells inside of that bat of what they want to hit. Um, Eno was telling me this great thing about Pedro Martinez saying how he sees the warm-up swings, you know, like Wilmer Flores, like, okay, I'm in the box. I'm going to take my little dry hack or something. He's literally telling with the bat where he wants the ball to go. Like, and Pedro's like, well, I'm not going to pitch it there. You know, you see a guy following a curveball down and away. That's an 0-2 pitch. He was looking for a curveball there, right? Like he's telling you these things. And good sequencing, you can do the general book or so, but then there's these extra bits that you should not leave at the table. You have to take advantage of those. And this was one that you had to take advantage of the fact that Wheeler was not degrading. He was pitching still at an elite level and you cannot take him out there. You just can't do it. Yeah, I don't know. I also think, well, there's a few things. One, 
those arguments against analytics always crack me up because when the analytics work, no one ever says anything, which is always well. The outcome up. Like, uh, never, but there, yes and no. I mean, yeah, you, you say the manager always if they always if they make the right call, he's a genius. If he makes the wrong one, you know, mm-hmm. the, the call doesn't matter. It's the outcome, right? Which I totally mm-hmm. understand. But that's about trusting the process and the results. And I'm talking more about the process. And mm-hmm. I think this is the kind of process that it needs to get recalibrated or at least scrutinized more. Sure. That's a valid point. I think too, that like it is first and third in a one run game. You bring in a guy who has a higher, a better ground ball rate, a better pitch to get ground balls and a higher whiff rate. Um, I, I'm just saying, I, I understand it. He didn't execute. It was a terrible pitch and an, an unbelievable moment in world series history. <laughs> that, that what was, was that like the launched. first time in like eight years that, that a home run has gone above the batter's eye in Houston. It was un, it was launched. <laughs> like it was that was an unbelievable home run. He oh missed his God. spot terribly. I, think I, but, think I screamed. I literally yelled at this bar. Oh God. I think the, it was the so thing hard. about this this conversation too is like, and you know this, and I know you know this, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but like that's not why the Phillies lost. The Phillies oh, lost yeah. because the yeah, middle yeah. of the order had one of the most atrocious performances yeah. in World Series history. They got like, no it, hit. It, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it, it's 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 that like, yeah, sure. This is the literal reason this was the go ahead run in the determining game of the World Series. But it didn't matter. It, it didn't right. matter. Like it, they hit 154 or something like it was yeah. insane. Like it doesn't matter. You do not take my favorite thing away from me fast. My favorite thing is watching a guy like Zach Wheeler dominate through a game and they took it away from me. Your favorite thing was on the bench. He started the day before. Aaron Nola? Yeah. I don't rank Aaron Nola above Zach Wheeler fast. In your heart? <laughs> it's In your very heart. close right now. I mean, what's Zach? How many times have I told you 51% of a swing on the sinker? Okay. Uh, how they many were, times have they I hit, said that? They hit 161 in the World Series. The lowest team average for a World <laughs> Series of six games since 1911. Oh, man. Um, That's so, unbelievable. Okay, I, I've gotten us off the rails. I apologize for my very long rants no. about mechanical keyboards and Zach Wheeler. This is supposed to be talk. the free agent, uh, free agent podcast. I hope you enjoyed that one. Um, but we're going to talk about all these free agents, starting pitchers, shortstops, outfielders, relievers, first base catcher after this quick break. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, and we're back. So we got we to gotta go through this because we got like 40 minutes or so to go through all free agents and uh i think what we're going to do is we're gonna go through the major ones uh, yeah. i know you went over, over some starting pitchers um i also had a tweet that showcased the quick list of guys um what we're gonna do in a future episode is really go team by team and say all right we think this team should be doing this or that so, you know, two mm-hmm. different ways of framing it from the the players and we're just doing a generalized one we're not doing all of them here guys um, but I, we're going to do a brief one, the big ones, talk about those. And then we're going to go team by team and say like, all right, this is their plan. This is what we're going to do. We're going to truncate that probably in two episodes of American league and national league. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Those will be the next two weeks, uh, for you guys. But now we're going to talk about the big guns. So starting pitchers, you wrote down here. It's Jacob DeGrom, Carlos Rodon, clean Kershaw, Nathan Eovaldi, Chris Bassett, and Tyler Anderson. So let's talk about DeGrom. You think he's going to be an Oriole. I don't know if I think he's going to be an Oriole. I think it may it makes it's made more sense than it's ever made ever. Right, that mm. team is going to need a bona fide ace because we don't know what's going to happen with Grayson Rodriguez. Obviously, there are a lot of fun flashes in the pan, 
with Austin Voth, Jordan Lyles, you know, there's guys like Kyle Bradish who we don't know if they're going to take a step forward or not. Tyler Wells, um, what DL Hall is going to be. We'll get John Means back in the middle of the year. But um, this, I, I have said many, 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 many times that I think the Astros are following the exact same formula that they did in Houston, um, which is like acquire an extremely deep uh, um, um, uh, farm Young. system that is predominantly yeah. made out of uh, offensive players and then go out and either trade for or sign free agents um, like they did with Cole, like they did with Verlander. Um, now, with that said, they also did have guys like Framber Valdez and Lance McCullers Jr. who came up through their system. I, I, just I like- mean, I will say, you know, Ben Lindbergh made an excellent point a couple of years ago being like, what's the most valuable thing in baseball? And it's youth. It's all youth. Uh, yeah, 100%. The, especially for, for teams where it's like, oh, yeah, they cost 550000 a year yeah. and not millions. So the more youth you have, the better you're going to be in any situation. The Astros have so much with their international signings. Yeah. Uh, and that allowed them to everyone says oh look at their payroll it's so low but it's like yeah but they got so un so unbelievably stocked in uh their production from non-free agents this year yeah i feel like the more yeah the more talented youth you have because the washington nationals have youth but ha! uh yeah there you go yeah not productive youth if I if I I don't I'm not even trying to be a homer too I I do think it's more realistic than we've talked about in the past uh, for him to go but it also does just make sense that like Cohen will open up the pocketbook he does not care he wants to win right it's a fun right. owner so it really wouldn't surprise me if he broke the bank and Jacob ended up back in a Mets uniform for the rest of his career yeah what about you where I, do you think I, he's going I think he's got to go back to New York yeah um it just makes too much sense to me. Um, the Mets, the Mets didn't come through this year. They had every opportunity though. You know, they, I mean, still Scherzer and DeGrom were there for the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that often returns more success than it does. It did this time. Um, I think that happens. Uh, I wouldn't even be shocked if they went and got both of the first two here, DeGrom and Rodon, um, and just made a statement. Yeah, you know, I mean that that Scherzer to Grom Rodon in the playoffs is going to be awfully hard to beat. Yep. Um, yeah, and that does take us to Rodon here. I look the last year we didn't know if the shoulder was okay. He signed this one year deal with an option for 2023. I declined it. He's not a free agent, and just dominated. I mean, all concerns about his health were fine he didn't degrade he didn't uh slow down uh velocity wise and now he's primed to dominate uh anywhere everyone kind of feels like oh yeah right he is not throwing 93 he's throwing over 95 uh velocity wise so it's yeah Rodon looks primed for a major payday here fast yeah i am thinking i'm just looking at their payroll um it would be interesting to see if he ended up in Toronto mm-hmm. um, as, you know, Jose Barrios was not what they wanted him to be. Uh, obviously have a very elite one-two punch with Kevin Gaussman and Alec Manoa. Um, they do have a good amount of money on the books for guys like Springer and Gaussman. Let's also not forget that Hyunjin Ryu in his age 36 season is about to have a $20 million payday. Um mm. And Barrios coming in pretty hot too. I will be curious to see if they want to do that. They're also going to have to pay, you know, a lot of their young stars relatively soon in the next couple of years. I don't understand why they're not doing what um, Atlanta has done, uh, which are some of the most team friendly deals and locked up a core that's going to be there and make them competitive for the next decade. Um, But I don't know. I'd be curious to see if he ends up in Toronto. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Um, Toronto's going to have to do something. I feel as if they've already done enough with their major signings. Uh, it's Manoa, Gosman that, yeah, as you mentioned, they're going to have to pay for Bichette, uh, Guerrero soon, and they can't they can't just go get another big one because that will set them up for a really difficult time down the road. But maybe maybe they can. I mean, they do need that one extra push, and Radon could be that answer. Curling Kershaw. I uh, do the Dodgers pay for him? I don't think so. I think this might be the year that he goes home, that he goes to Texas. Um, Texas had a, a terrible rotation last year. Uh, uh, Except for John Gray. I love John Gray. 
Suffolk Dark for sure. They had the 25th. They were 25th in ERA among starters last year. Um, Their payroll uh, has some room. And also, I don't think Clayton Kershaw is going to particularly break the bank. Um, You know, he Mm -hmm. has to know that you're not getting 170 innings out of Clayton Kershaw anymore. You're probably getting 120 out of 150. Um, So, yeah, I think it would make sense for him to be like, yeah, sure. I'll take a two-year deal at a relatively high AAB and pitch at home and, and call it a career. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that would make sense. That That's possible if the, if Texas is willing to, to pay that. I actually think um, the next guy, Nathan Yavaldi might be a really good fit for them. Well, that's a good point. Um, that's a good yeah, the point. decreased velocity was staggering, but he actually did okay. And regardless 94. Or so as opposed to the 96 plus that we've seen from Yavaldi in the past, um, if he's all right to pitch, I can see the the Rangers are kind of those teams that they take a little bit more chances and flyers on guys. If you remember Lance Lynn, they took a flyer on that. They uh, they took flyers on like Shelby Miller or so. Sure. Um, and Ivaldi could fit the bill there in Texas. I wouldn't be shocked about that one. I wonder if he ends up. This is just very off the cuff. I don't even know if I believe in this, but I wonder if he ends up in Chicago on the White Sox. Um, because hmm. you think about the Evaldi, this is a guy that you probably want to be your four or five, like maybe your three, but you probably want him to be a back end dude, right? Yeah. So yeah, right. I mean, kind of because makes... we don't know what the velocity is, right? Totally, and he's an injury risk. It's just not a guy that's yeah. going to be able to consistently lead your organization. As I said earlier, he was consistent, inconsistently good. So a lot of blowups, a lot of good games. If you have, if Lucas Giolito writes his ship and then you have Cease, Lynn, Giolito, and Kopech, making Eovaldi, who might not also be that expensive, a number five in that division could be a nice little signing for them. Yeah, um, that could work. What do you think about Chris Bassett? Chris Bassett. Okay, so this is interesting. What are you getting out of Chris Bassett? You're probably getting a good amount of innings, even though he had some injuries this year, right? Mm-hmm. Um you're getting consistent. I think you're getting and- an SP, SP two, SP three out of this, and I, I think Chris Bassett, wherever he does sign, is going to be at a discount, and I love it. I, I, I think the Yankees should be all over Chris Bassett. Um, the Yankees. Uh, yeah. The fact that also Bassett was able to take care of things <clears throat> with the Mets organization inside of New York this year, he was fine with it. Um, to me, he's a sturdy. He's like an upgrade of Tyone. Um, essentially is what Chris Bassett is in my book. Uh, and the Yankees could use that. You know, they don't need everybody to be this, oh my God, it's the greatest guy ever. Sure. They need, no, we have Cole, we have Severino, we have Cortez. We're fine. We need a really rock solid four. Uh, and that is Chris Bassett to me um, for that team. I mean, you can even say he's the number three. Uh, yeah. I think that'd be a really good fit. I'll say he goes to Minnesota. I think that could be a, a lot of fun for him. Yeah, that makes that makes a good amount of sense because they also have like uh, they've got a lot of high risk, high reward guys, right? Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, a little bit more high uh, reward Malley. than high risk. Uh, Tyler Molly, Kenta Maeda coming back, and then Bailey Ober is their number five. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that could be an interesting fit for them. It would make sense because it could get him a good amount of innings. Should be able to feast in that division. That might be a fun signing for them. He's also oh, I yeah, feel like the they, schedule is different. Don't forget that. It's oh, a that's a great schedule. point. I love that. God, that, that is wild? a great point. Um, Tyler Anderson is also another interesting one because he's one of those dudes where it's like, uh, is the are the change up changes that he made in Los Angeles because of Los Angeles, or like meaning will they be able to stick without the coaching that he has? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe. Um, I always think it's like an interesting conversation when you teach a pitcher something new. Does the coaching staff help them help them retain it? Or is it like, oh, I've got a new tool in my toolbox, you know, because pitchers lose the field for pitches all the time. And if they go to yeah. a different team, are they going to be able to help them find it? Um, yeah, defense is the biggest question with Tyler Anderson. Uh, yeah. 15% change up usage increase, tons of success with those, a better pitch and thrown up more often. But is that defense going to be the same if he leaves LA? I think honestly, they've re-signed him. It makes all the sense. Yeah, it does make sense. But you know who would also be interesting now that you bring that up? Uh, like what other organization signs kind of unsexy pitchers or trades for unsexy? Yeah, the Cardinals. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it very much could work. I wonder what the rotation is going to look like. We were thinking that Wayne, Wainwright would retire. He's not. He's coming back. 
Flaherty will be there, hopefully healthy this time. I, uh, you see Jordan Montgomery, you see Miles Michaelis, and then yeah. uh, Jose Quintana is now a free agent. So there is a fifth spot that could be Tyler Anderson, Stephen Matz, Stephen Matz. So then there you go. Are they going to do it then? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. There, there, there are a lot of a lot of names there. Are there other? I mean, obviously, there's Justin there Verlander. So many. Justin Verlander said that he's. Uh, well, we don't know, right? He could be a free agent still, right? He hasn't made a decision because he just. From he hasn't series. quite. It's possible. I, uh, I imagine he signs two years with the Astros. Um, yeah. At this point, there's some talk about him. Was it him going down to Florida, signing there? But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you have uh Jameson Tyone, Tywin Walker, Ross Stripling, Andrew Heaney, Michael Waka, Mike Clevenger, Corey Kluber, Shaw Manaya, Michael Lorenzen, Jose Katana, Noah Syndergaard, Martin Perez, Johnny Cueto, Rich Hill, uh, Kyle Gibson, Zach Eflin. These are other options out there. There's also Senga, I'm coming over, and possibly others as well. Uh, we'll talk more about all of those uh in another podcast. Nothing two game-changing Ross Stripling is an interesting one yeah um could certainly help I, I can tell you right now somebody is going to sign Jameson Tyone to a cheap deal it's gonna be like the Tigers or something like that um I wouldn't be surprised if that happens there I could see Lorenzen um going to like the Miami Marlins or not Miami I'm sorry like a, like Tampa Bay mm-hmm. uh, Miami's not going to sign a starter there's no reason they have too many yeah yeah um but they're going to be some interesting little deals. He maybe goes to Seattle, actually, uh, for their number five spot. If it's not Lorenzen or Marco Gonzalez. Um, but what's the difference, I guess? What's the point? Uh, so we'll see there. But we'll move on to the shortstops. Uh, we'll start with Trey Turner. I mean, it feels like, um, obviously, Aaron Judge, and we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, Trey Turner is the is the other big domino waiting to fall. Yeah. Who do you got for him? Oh, that is, I mean, it's a, it's a really fun year for shortstops, right? Um, there's a lot of really high end ones, which I think is, and I, I would be curious to know because I, I you know, I, I have no idea. I would be curious to know what the difference in uh, like front office mindset is about these top guys, right? Because we have, uh, um, oh my God, where's my brain? We have Trey Turner. We have Carlos Correa. We have Xander Bogarts. We have Dansby Swanson. They're all within like two years of one another, which is mm. pretty amazing. And the one who probably yeah. has the worst track record of health is the youngest in Carlos Correa. Um, all of them are within a few war of one another. So I'll, uh, the, the reason I bring this up is because I wonder if people are like, well, why would we break the bank for Trey Turner if we can have Xander Bogarts cheaper and then sign someone else i do think that trey turner is is the is the best of this bunch i mean yeah that's um, what john are, Hamm told me what is, oh my god uh i do think there are <laughs> you know some some teams that could use uh the boost like if we look at who got the let's take a look at who got the least amount of production from the shortstop wait, wait, position I'm sorry can you can you say that again uh that word um that's b-o-o-s-t can you say that word again boost yeah the way you said it was the most maryland baltimore accent i've ever heard boost boost yeah Yeah, you said that (laughs) i haven't heard it from you i that's pretty wild i've never came out who needs the biggest boost yeah (laughs) that is very funny i I, I heard there was an applicant uh from air uh from maryland that had the accent my favorite this is what this is what alex had was talking about and that's the uh, only uh, the only reason out. i would ever want to sign shohei otani uh aside from his <laughs> like you know skill is just so we could hear like shohei otani otani <laughs> gonna pitch down in baltimore otani let's go uh, oh my god you're clipping now um <laughs> you are you making a baltimore accent <laughs> I implore everybody to go back and listen to Fast, say it, and make, and see if you can hear it. Because it just all of a sudden, like, my my ears perked up and said, what was that? That's very The funny. subtlety of it. It just rolled in. Boosted. You know? uh, yeah. here, here are the teams that could use the biggest boost in shortstop <laughs> production. Uh, so all I did was go to Fangraphs and look at uh, shortstop war. Um, so even in the bottom 20, there are some teams uh, that are playoff contenders, right? Baltimore. 
Seattle, Tampa Bay, the Yankees, and the Giants uh, were all in playoff contention towards the end of the year and got below average war from their shortstop. Uh, the Angels are always going to be interested in signing people. They got minimal production. Um, and then the rest is like, you know, Arizona, Colorado, Cincinnati, Washington, uh, and Oakland. So not really, I doubt they're going to be in the market for any of these key four. Uh, to, to do it real quick, I imagine Correa goes to Baltimore. Um, I think it's funny that there were those rumors last year and the fact that we were better than people thought adds a little bit more substance to those. Plus the Astros reconnection kind of makes sense to me. Um, I think Dansby ends up back in Atlanta um, Mm. unless they want to go all out for Trey, which I think would be interesting. Um, But yeah, uh, also it wouldn't be unlikely to have a Dansby Turner swap and have Dansby rejoin Freddie inside of Atlanta Uh, inside of uh, LA, excuse me, and then have Trey Turner go over to Atlanta. They have the opportunity and the money thanks to all the very friendly contracts that they have. Uh, I guess they do still have a large payroll, but still, I think they could break the bank for him. Um, Xander is the one I just don't know about. I don't know if Boston's going to continue with this rebuild and I don't know why they would want to commit a lot of money to a 30 year old if they are. So I'm not sure about him. What are you thinking? Uh, I could see Atlanta getting Xander. Um, as they lose Dansby, obviously you're going to have somebody get replaced in LA uh, for Turner. I think that's going to be Correa. Uh, and I want so badly for the Yankees to sign Trey Turner. Yeah. That's what I want. I, I want that. Oh boy. Oh boy. Be. That That's, that's what I would go for, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, there's also been some rumors about the Mets getting Trey Turner. Then you might see Dansby Swanson as a Yankee. Uh, something along those lines. I will be shocked if the Yanks do not go for somebody here. I hope it's not Carlos Correa. Um, as a Yankee fan, I think Carlos Correa is not nearly as good as everyone gets touted or touts for him. I think he's going to get worse. Um, yeah, they they're probably going to have Volpe move to second base. That means you move on from Torres. You move on from IKF. Uh, DJ goes plays third. Uh, you resign Rizzo, all that stuff. But this isn't the Yankee one. I'm just saying how one of these guys, I think Turner or Dansby Swanson, are my two favorites for that position for the Yankees. So, um, and speaking of the Yankees, yes, yeah. Oh, sorry, I was I just a- thinking. When is the last time a Yankee stole more than 30 bases? I looked it up. I found the answer. Ricky Henderson. Trivia question for you. No. Ricky Henderson. <laughs> when was the last time a Yankee? Stole more than 30 bases. It was, it was Henderson. That's all I got. Gardner. No, it was not. Come on. You can oh, no, no. Was, oh, no. I know this. It's Curtis, Curtis Granderson. Curtis. Uh, 11. It, it wasn't Curtis Granderson. He stole 25 and 11. Oh, um, well. It was a little bit more recent. Not too much. It was 2014. Was it Gardner? Uh, Jacoby. Jacoby Ellsbury. Oh, gosh. All Jacoby Ellsbury right. stole 39. Me that he existed. Um, but anyway, wonderful segue I had before you interrupted me was Sorry. Aaron Judge of the outfielders. I know you appreciate a segue, and I think that that's the that's the sentence that will hurt you the most. You're is right. me saying you interrupted my segue. You're right. Uh, <laughs> I just had an image of you on a segue riding. Yeah, I knew town. you. I did too. I did too. <laughs> fast, and I wasn't going to bring it up. I'm amazed that you did. Uh, Aaron Judge, what's happening here? Should the Yankees are the Yankees going to do this? I think the Yankees will. I I think I, I heard a quote somewhere that said, "If he does not choose the Yankees, it will not be because of money." Oh, interesting. Like, yeah, which would which would then lead me to believe that it's a two team race between the Yankees and the Giants, and mm. they'll offer a relatively similar amount of money. Both will be record breaking. And he might just choose to to play out in San Francisco. They definitely have the payroll as they have a below league average payroll. Um, and the, you know, the Yankees are top 10. You think so, it's going to yeah. be, you think it's going to be record breaking? I think, it, I think it could be. I mean, I think it's going to be a, a, a good amount of money record breaking either in AAV or in length. Yeah, probably AAV. Okay. So it can't be length. I think anybody the biggest knock on signing judge is the age problem. Yep. Is that you, you see a guy like this is already trying to get better, but injuries and Hey, has improved, but it still feels like, you know, watching him and Stanton play, they're both not going 100% on purpose. You can see it all the time. 
uh, and it's okay. We're we're allowing this. Um, I mean, look, the guy just had an eleven war season. You don't need him yeah. to do that. I, uh, but it's it's one of those things. Um, and it, it just feels like if the Yankees sign him, then it becomes this albatross contract in like four years. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. shocked if uh, if it's a length thing. Now, is he going to get more than three hundred fifty million? You think? Uh, or more than four million? I don't know. Uh, four hundred um, million. Yeah. The highest AAV for a position player right now is Trout at thirty five. Um. So I don't. I don't know. I mean, I guess yeah. In retrospect, it would be tough to think that he would get more than thirty five million a year. It is kind of crazy to see that the second highest player uh, in terms of offensive value. Uh, excuse me, second highest player in terms of AAV on the offense is Anthony Rendon at $35 million. That is just bananas. Then you have Lindor, Corey Seager, Arenado, and then Miguel Cabrera wrapping up that, that contract. Uh, and then who others? The other two that are over 30 in terms of AAV are Mookie Betts and Manny Machado. You have to figure he joins that club. He joins the sure. $30 million AAV club because it's a yeah, small Yeah, you got to think that, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, so... The question is, is can he make more than Anthony Rendon? Um, so, yeah, maybe he doesn't make 35, but you got to figure it's between 30 and 35. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a, you know, he's not going to accept like a three or five year deal is the thing. He just wants to be done with it at this point. So I wonder if it's front and loaded, something along those lines. I don't know. Uh, as a Yankee fan, I know it's really hard to think who is the face of the Yankees if it's not Aaron Judge. And that's really hard. Uh, and that's the biggest reason to want him back, I think. But man, it's uh, it just kind of terrifies me how we're set up in that way. So I don't I know. I think if, if you lose Judge, if you lose Judge, what is this offense? What is it? I don't know. It, it's, it's all just, oh boy, <laughs> in my head. I wonder if they do give eight at 35, because then that's 280 million, which isn't. It's a no. Nah, that, that would get pushed to three. That no, no. I, you think I, it, I, it, would, it has to be a three hundred million deal? You think it has to be three hundred million? So then it would probably be then seven or six for like thirty eight. <laughs> Maybe it's something and, like that. We'll see. Um, other other outfielders are not really a sexy crowd. Um, Andrew Benatendi, no. Brandon Nimmo, JD Martinez, Michael Brantley, Trey Mancini. Who's that? Uh, Mitch Mitch Haniger, Joey Gallo. <laughs> I'm just messing around. It's rough. Um, it's rough. It is a rough yeah. out. If you're Aaron Judge, you're also just foaming at the mouth, knowing that there's nobody else around yeah. but you. Right. Right. There's there's no good backup. I mean, it's next year, I believe, that you get a good amount of guys, but uh, I could be wrong about that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I is there is there one that you think is the best to go after right now? I mean, I've been seeing some things about Brandon Nimmo that just kind of surprised me, but maybe I'm just not as well versed with Brandon Nimmo. Um, to consider him a an elite outfielder, but I've been seeing a hundred million dollars contracts or something along those lines. I uh, who would you? Yeah, of all these, who do you think that team should be focusing on? Sorry, I just complete. You remember Michael Conforto and how he just never got signed? Never. How, like how is that? Because of his shoulder. Still, that shoulder that's, was just, messed up. Yeah, it's got to be really bad. Um, yeah, I mean. I don't know. It really is not great. I do think that you can see Michael Brantley get a nice little like maybe one or two year deal, maybe with a team like Miami, like he can still put that to ball. And if you say, you know what, you're just our DH. I still think he can have a offensive, you know, a productive season for you. He only played, you know, 64 games this year, but he had a 127 WRC plus. He hit 288 this year, which was his lowest average since uh, 2013 <laughs> hmm. when, he, when he's played over 50 games. Um, that's unbelievable. So it wouldn't surprise me if a team is like, yeah, he's not really sexy, but I there might actually be an interesting market for a guy who, yeah, I understand. He's not going to do much defensively for you, but could hit 300 out of the DH for you, signing with like a not great team. I don't know about J.D. Martinez. I don't know about Trey Mancini. Mitch Haniger, I think they find a way to make him uh, settle back in with Seattle. Um, mm. Brendan Benintendi is an interesting one, too. I mean, he obviously 
came into New York and and it got hurt right away and it stinks. I still feel like he should sign with them. Uh, maybe we'll see what happens there. He's uh, young too. He's he's gonna be what twenty nine? Uh, no, he's gonna be twenty. He's still be twenty eight when when the season will begin. Um, really good season for him last it's year. Really funny to me. Like we're thirty four. Hi guys, yeah. we're aging ourselves now. And I I have friends who are twenty nine, and I I know many of them. It's like yeah, I'm I'm the old one here. You know. Yeah. And we're talking about Ben Attendi. Like Ben Attendi's like the, you know five years. He was in middle school when I was a senior. Oh boy. Um and uh relievers. We have Craig Kimbrell, uh Kenley Jansen, and Taylor Rogers. Uh who of this crop do you think are going to be the most sought after? Mm, maybe honestly, maybe Taylor Rogers. Um mm. like Craig Kimbrell kind of had a weird fall off towards the end of the season there where he lost the the, the closer job, Kenley Jansen. Um, a better season obviously still has those like terrifying health concerns. So been a great crop four years ago. Um, obviously yeah. the, the biggest name off the market with the Mets resigning Edwin Diaz, yeah. um, which will, which will be really interesting. So I, I think it is Taylor Rogers. I do love, you know, I, I don't, it's funny. You look at like a lot of these teams um, that have been really dominant and yeah, of course they uh, are able to acquire um, a good amount of relievers at the trade deadline or stuff like that. But I feel like a lot of them are good because they are just able to find these relievers and turn them into elite relievers, right? Like the the Dodgers turn guys into elite relievers. The Yankees are able to do that through their farm. The Ray, uh, the Rays are obviously fantastic. The Orioles started to do it really well last year. So it's funny when we're talking about signing relievers, it's like, well, why would I want to spend any money when I'm able to do that through the farm? You know? So I almost yeah, feel that it, it's it relievers. Relievers feel like either you're an absolute elite one or it's just not something you want to pursue. Yeah. Uh, I mean, other other names out there are Aroldis Chapman. Um, you have Tommy Canley. You have Adam Adovino, uh, Pierce Johnson, uh, Seth Lugo, Trevor May, David Robertson, Julie Rodriguez, Chad Green. Um, it, it's really tough at this moment. And this is ranking by projected war, but who knows? Uh, Chad Green should do better, but is he okay? You know, I believe he's getting Tommy John, so you're you're not really expecting much next year, but maybe he'd assign somewhere for three years. It, it's Relievers feel like one of those things where he just kind of pops up and they do great because it's a smaller sample and you have a farm system where like, all right, you throw hard, just here you go, and some guys figure it out, some don't, and that, that's it. Uh, you trade midseason for other options. You trade for... Guys like Wandy Peralta who are bad and then all of a sudden are good. You know, it's it's a weird thing. So going after, say, Craig Kimbrell, Kenley Jansen, Taylor Rogers, maybe not the biggest signings. Uh, there is a lot of expectation that Kenley's going to sign with the Miami Marlins, for example. Mm. Um, but really, isn't there isn't much out there either there. Um, and no, you do not want Araldus Chapman. Um, first base. Uh, is there anything else you want to add, you know, with, with closers fast before we go to first base? Um, thank you. Uh, no, not, not really. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think it's very telling that when you look at reliever ERA, like it's all, it's all the, the playoff teams, right? It's, it's like the best teams in baseball. Uh, and that's for a reason. And to me that says like those teams are growing their own talent. Some of them were acquired via trade, obviously, like we said, but like, maybe Philly wants to wants to get another reliever um but like I don't know it just I think it doesn't really seem worth it um first base was made much more interesting by the opt-out of Anthony Rizzo um I thought that was kind of interesting um makes sense I guess from a financial perspective but I really thought he was going to try and continue to be um a, I think, a no, he's still going to be a yank um in my view I I think Rizzo's going to sign with them. It just is too good of a fit. I think he enjoyed playing there. I'd be really shocked if the Yankees and Rizzo didn't come to an agreement. You think he was just opting out to try and get a little bit more money? And yeah. They're yeah, going to resign him. Sense. Yep. Um, I mean, yeah. the other options here, Jose Abreu, uh, I'm pronouncing him right. Look at that. Uh, Josh Bell, uh, Brandon Drury, who we didn't mention in the outfield discussion, mm-hmm. theoretically, too. Um, Jace Peterson, Brandon Belt, Carlos Santana. Matt Carpenter, Yuli Gurriel. Um, yeah. So it's really to me is just about Abreu and Bell and Drury at this point. Um, how are you feeling there? Um, I'm trying to take a look and see who 
Yeah, the Astros are going to need a first baseman because um, sure. Yuli's gone, and right now yeah. it's uh, JJ Matchevich. By the way, say it again. He's thirty-nine. That's unbelievable. Right? That's that's pretty wild. Um, I wonder if they do go ahead and sign Jose Abreu. That would be a pretty fun signing mm. to have him down in. Like that does kind of make sense, right? Like you have to figure his his power is going to play well. Um, I'd have to take. Let me take a look while you talk about where you're going. Where um, I, Jose I, Abreu? I, I, could see, I could see Brandon Belt even being uh being something. It just feels like a a Houston signing. Um, Abreu, I don't think is going to go back to the White Sox, and you might see something like Josh Bell get pursued there, or maybe they're like, you know what, uh, Andrew Vaughn, it's time. Uh, for you to go out to first base, that's might be what what happens instead. I imagine the Yankees are going to be interested in Bell or Rizzo and seeing what they can make out of that. Um, if it's not Rizzo, then they they move to Bell, who can be a lefty for them if they need as well at the bag. But um, I'm trying to think of other good fits here. I you know, the Rangers have Low, uh, the Mariners. Who's the Mariners first baseman? Is it Ty France now? I I can't remember. Um, it's not Peter. You know, Peter Alonso is covered by the Mets. You got Atlanta's fine with Matt Olson. You have. I'm trying to think of like who are the the guys that would think this is their window and pursue a first baseman. It's not too many, really, that I, I'm considering right now. I uh, maybe the Twins. Mm. I who who's the Twins first baseman right now? Um, who's the Twins first baseman? Sorry, it was very deep down a rabbit hole I mean, about Jose Abreu. No, I no, it's was... uh, Luis Arias. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, he's I a guess. utility man, yeah, so I guess yeah, he could theoretically right, right. be anyone. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Abreu, I don't know if he's going to get paid all. He's 36. Uh, you're going to see a short deal wherever he goes. Um, it's maybe a stopgap for a team that does like their first baseman, but maybe just wants someone else to share the load. I don't know. We'll see what happens there. Uh, Brandon Drury is really the interesting one to me. I really dig Brandon Drury. Uh, I think he his his gains from this year were legitimate and based a lot on swing decisions. Um, and I'm curious where he lands. Maybe he comes back to the Yankees a second time. That'd be fun. It looks like Abreu actually uh, goes opposite field a lot with his home runs. Um, a little bit, yeah, considerably more than league average. League average about 12% for opposite field home runs. He's up at around 16% with just about 51% of his home runs pulled. So it's not like the Crawford boxes he would particularly be able to take advantage of, but he would be able to take advantage of that shortish right field. But then again, I wonder if that makes him an interesting candidate for the Yankees, uh, a righty who might be able to use the short porch to his advantage with a lot of opposite field home runs if they don't want to sign Rizzo. Uh, it's possible. Yeah, that could be an interesting fit, especially a short term deal while they figure it out later. Uh, yeah, I mean, something's going to be signed here for the Yankees. Bell, Abreu, Rizzo, one of those three. Maybe the, the whole Brandon Belt thing, too, is like their super backup. But something will happen here. They won't have DJ LeMayu at first. So I wonder how. I wonder which. Now we're getting real deep, baby. Which <laughs> right-handed batter for the Yankees pulled the most home runs for them in 2022? Which right-hander pulled the most home runs for them in 2022? Uh, sorry, which right-hander went opposite field the most with their home oh, runs in 2022? That would be that would be Stanton. Stanton, yeah, probably has to be right. I mean, I think so. Is that? I mean, Judge does pull some. I mean, theoretically, just by number, it's probably Judge. Oh God, percentage wise, it might be it might be Stanton. You you are a hundred percent correct. Uh, Sixteen total for Judge, but just twenty six percent. Fifteen total for Stanton at forty nine percent. There you go. Um, Let's go. <laughs> Stanton, I, I gotta say, stay at home runs are so funny. They always like look like they're foul, but they're not. They just go so hard that before it can hook foul, it, it lands, you know? Uh, oh, or but we, we, need to, we need to introduce another caveat. I was I was looking overall on the year. Let's take a look at at uh, Justin Yankee Stadium. Mm. Oh, the person who pulled... Uh, Stanton Torres had 10. Could be in there. Yeah. Glaber Torres, number one. Nick crushing yeah. that round of Yankee <laughs> trivia. That was unbelievable. 
I'm, I'm right. shocked considering that you guys know me and hitters and I don't actually really focus that hard. on the <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Uh, but still, I don't know. I, I'll tweet about it later. Jose Abreu is going to the Yankees. You heard it here first. Yeah, there um, we go. Uh, we're going to move on to the second baseman. Unless you got anything else you want to add there. Uh, no, I didn't even know we had any. Yeah, right. You you left it off completely. Because um, there's Turner nothing. Could be the Drury could be, but Gene Segura. Nah. Uh, <laughs> Cesar Hernandez, uh, Jose Iglesias, uh, Aledemus Diaz, who looked terrible in the postseason. Um, Josh Harrison. There's like nothing. Do you want Robinson Cano? Jonathan VR? <laughs> Do you want Camargo? You okay. got him. You want you Robinson got him. He's yours. You got him, baby. You got him. Last one. Last one we got is Wilson Contreras uh, and catcher and Mike Zunino and uh, Omar Navarez. Now, when uh, Sean Roberts was putting together his um, predictions for uh, where he thinks the top 35 free agents are going to go, he he put initially the Guardians for Wilson Contreras. And I actually said no, because the Guardians don't spend money. The most yeah. expensive contract they had was at one in Canarcion. It's like $64 million was their like highest one. Then Asher Drittel puts out his fake, fantastic, uh, where he thinks every team is going to go. Or like where it's just like a bold one of like the perfect move for every team. And he put Wilson Contreras for the Guardians. And it was more of like a bolder thing. Um and it's pretty funny to me. I can see Sean being like, Nick, like I, what you let him do and not me. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but there's a thought that, well, maybe Wilson Contreras goes to the Guardians. They need a catcher. They have money to spend. They've had money to spend for a while. They haven't done it. Do you think Wilson Contreras ends up as a Guardian? No, I don't. Um, <laughs> see, there you go, I, Sean. See, <laughs> I, I don't. I also just don't think that they're going to really prioritize a hitting catcher. I think they're going to try and find mm. a guy who is the best, like Omar Narvaez is, I believe, an overall better defensive catcher. I mean, Christian Vasquez could be there. Austin Hedges could return. Yeah. Tucker Barnhart. Think about their, like, their pitching first approach. You know what I mean? They also have a top 10, uh, one of the top 10 prospects in their system is a catcher. Um, Mm -hmm. So you'd have to figure they'd probably want to give him a shot. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know how that catcher um, panned out last year. I could take a look. This is uh, Brian Lavistada, Lavistida, uh, Lavistida, I think. Um, hey, you're the one who took Duolingo. So, yeah, <laughs> he was not very good uh, offensively uh, last year. Um, maybe he's very good in terms of framing or something. Uh, does that even matter anymore? Is that going to impact people's free agent signing decisions? It might not. Um, framing will go the way of the Dodo probably in 2024. So I don't know, but yeah, I don't know if I see them really opening up the, 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 the pocket for, for that. Um, well, all right. So that, that's our free agent pod. Um, we're going to have a wild thoughts very quickly. I know we have, uh, cause my favorite section and fast, I think you actually have one. I do. I shared it with you at a brunch and yeah, I, 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 brunch. I, I'm so congested. I'm very happy that I remembered it. Um, uh, because it like popped into my head a couple weeks ago and I was like, oh my God, this just happened. In the in the final series in Japan, in the championship of Japan, it is the first team to four wins, just like here. However, if you have a tie, the game is over and that game does not count. I absolutely love that. Why? It makes home field advantage all the more special. It's very exciting to think about, okay, it's a 2-2 game. It's now the bottom of the ninth. Uh, If I can do it here, we win, the game's over. If not, I've squandered my opportunity to win a game at home. Um, I love adding more baseball games when we want to. If it is 3-3, by the way, and it is the deciding game, then they will play until the game is over and then declare their their fourth winner. But I Mm. love... I, I love the fact that it will then lead to deeper games, right? Like if you're not able to use your ace uh, the way that you want to and your your offense can't contribute the way that it needs to and it's a tie game, that opportunity is squandered. I don't know. I think it's a very – at first I was like, that's so dumb. We never have ties in baseball. But while I do love extra inning games, it is kind of fun to think that, all right, the home team couldn't do it here, so we're going on to the next game. All right. Well, uh, that's a good wild thought. I'm so happy that you have a wild thought fast. You know what my wild thought is? Yes. I uh, what is it fast? I don't know. I thought you said, do you know my wild thought? Or do you want to know what my wild thought is? Oh, I, I see. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I gotcha. My wild thought is what an idea 
this is a this is a wild thought. Maybe when you're up one nothing in a World Series game, you leave uh, your best pitcher on boo, the mid mound boo, and let him boo, pitch out of the jam boo, in the most important moment of your season. Boo. <laughs> Boo, that was all of us man. at the bar when it was happening. Yeah, you were you're reenacting us uh, <laughs> as we saw him leave the mound. I was saying um, Boo-Werns. Yeah, there you go. That's my wild thought this week. Uh, the pitcher of the week, Fast, who do you think it was? Carlos Rodon. Um, with a 288 ERA, 103 whip, 178 innings. And in fact, was Carlos Rodon. I didn't know Not he threw some... that many innings this year. He did. He did, wow. Fast. You notice how I kind of skirted around his stats? We were talking about him. Yeah, I didn't want to give it away. Um, yeah, Carl Sredon is pretty dang good, y'all. Um, but that's going to do for this episode of uh, the Nick and Alex Baseball Show. I thank you all for listening. We will be around this offseason. We've got so many baseball things to talk about because the offseason doesn't exist. It does, it does not, not exist if we don't let it exist. But I'm so excited, Fast. We have an actual offseason. A proper one, yes. a big real season for the first time since 2019. Can you believe that? That's insanity. And I can't wait to experience all of it with all of you. But on, but this is the Nick Alex Baseball Show. My name is Nick Pollock. And I am Alex Fast. We'll talk to you guys soon.